Praise the Lord, everybody. Good to be in here on a Wednesday night, amen. If you are, amen, you may be dismissed if you're going out. If you have your Bibles, open with me to the 27th of Psalms, verse 11. And it says, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path, comma, because of my enemies. Brother Brad, would you pray, please, for this service? God, you are good, and you are holy, Jesus. You are mighty, Lord. You are mighty, Jesus. You are so good. You are so good. Amen. You may be seated. So have any men in here ever been lost but were too afraid to admit that they were lost? All right? Well, I got a little story I want to tell you. When I was around 17 or so, maybe 18, I went out moose hunting by myself at Pastor Herring's cabin. And uh, let's just say I put in some effort. I was, I was tromping, I was searching, I wasn't finding any moose. The weather was absolutely horrible. Pouring down rain, pouring down rain. And after about two days of doing this, I was walking back to Pastor's cabin, pretty discouraged. And his dad, you know, welcomed me into his cabin and said, you know, come on in for a cup of coffee. By the way, he liked some black coffee. That was like, whoo, it'll wake you up. So, you know, we were talking back and forth for, I don't know, probably almost two hours hunting stories, and I killed a moose over here, and I killed a moose over there, and, you know, don't give up. I've killed them right outside my front door before. And so, you know, Pastor Heron had kind of told me about going, you know, across the trail and back up towards the mountains, and his dad kind of said the same thing. Oh, there's all sorts of meadows up there and game trails forever. Just go moseying around up there, and you might just spook one right up out of its bed. I said, okay. So I woke up, and uh, weather was okay. I drive, you know, on my wheeler, and I get going up into the mountains, and all of a sudden, you know, that weather wasn't so good. But before I left, I had said, okay, I see this mountain over here, and if I need to get back, I just need to walk towards that mountain. Plain and simple, right? So before I left his cabin, he had a little round compass that's on like a pin, and he had it on his backpack sitting there in his cabin. I said, you know what? I should probably grab that compass and just borrow it for the day just in case. So I leave the four-wheeler, and I got my compass. All right, this is the direction I got to go, you know, when I'm ready to come back. So I'm tromping and I'm going and all of a sudden that mountain wasn't there anymore and I had walked a long ways. The rain came in, the clouds rolled in and I had no idea where I was going. And I'm going, I'm going, I slip, I break my rifle, the insides come out, I can only hold one round in it. And needless to say, I am frustrated at this point. My mind was was blurry, you know, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, I've been out here for hours and hours and hours, and then I just said, hey, what about that compass, and I, I pull that compass out, and I say, okay, I've been walking and walking and walking, but I haven't been walking in the plain path, 
on the straight line. And I pulled out that compass, and it gave me that ability to walk straight to where I needed to go. Amen? It is so easy to get lost in this world when we try to make our own path. Amen? Our opening verse lays it out for us. It starts with, teach me thy way. You want to know a for sure method to stay on track? Do it God's way every time. Amen? Because his way will never fail. His way never changes. It always has the same outcome, and that is heaven as our home. Amen? It goes on to say, lead me in the plain path. Not a path of confusion, not a path of worry, of depression, lack of self-worth, fear. No, God's path is a plain path, the one that leads directly to heaven. Amen. Sis, can you put up Matthew 7, 13 through 14, please? All right, back here. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. And the reason I know that these verses are true is because at the very end of our opening scripture, it says, because of mine enemies. Church, we have enemies out there, right? The devil is constantly putting stumbling blocks in our path. Things like health issues in us or our family, burdening our finances, making problems between your spouse, husbands and wives, people influencing your kids in a direction that you know is not true and holy. Anything he can do to cloud our judgment and get us to slip up and question God. But this 27th book of Psalms written by David is about trusting in the God Almighty. And as you read through it, there's, there's no doubt that David was going through some stuff when he wrote this. Can you put up Psalms 2711, our opening in the NLT, though, please? It says, teach me how to live. Oh Lord, lead me along the right path. And then I love how it words it right here, for my enemies are waiting for me. <laughs> Hallelujah. And as we read through our Bible, there are so many men that had a path, a journey, a goal, a purpose set before them. Some of them ended good, and some of them didn't end so good. How about Jonah? Jonah left his path, didn't listen to God, ended up in the belly of a whale. Peter lost his focus, took his eyes off of Jesus, and started to sink in the waters. What about the good Samaritan, though, in Luke 10? Stayed on the path, ended up saving a man's life. Hallelujah. How about the, the man at the pool of Bethesda? How long did he walk figuratively in search of the water, trying to make it to the water, and ended up being healed by God? And most importantly, how about the path that Jesus made to the cross? 
Amen. Thank you, God, for that. Hallelujah. Yes, it was the ultimate path. I'm talking about the straight and the narrow. Of course, we all have our own path in life, but we also have a path as the body of Christ. Let's start having the same vision as our pastor. Why don't we start walking on that path that says 2020, it's time to grow. 2020, it's time to change. Let's get that vision and let's march with our pastor on that plain path. Hallelujah. When we support each other, when times get tough, when our brothers and sisters grow weary, hallelujah, we all have the same goal, and that's the kingdom of God. Amen. Can you put up Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, please? It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Amen. Psalms 16 and 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Hallelujah. How about Psalms 37, 23 through 24 in the NLT? The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Hallelujah. So thankful that we have a God that is walking this life with us. Hallelujah. So how many of us tonight would make a commitment to ourselves to walk the plain path, the straight path, to stay focused, to learn how to do it God's way, not our way, amen? When I was in those mountains, all alone, my focus was gone. I, didn't, I couldn't see where I was headed anymore. My, my vision was blurred. My mind was scrambled. And once I was able to just regain myself, recoup myself and say, okay, let's just take a second and think about this. I pulled out that compass and I was able to get where I needed to go. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't let the world block our way. Don't let the world keep us out of heaven. Keep our eyes on Jesus. It says he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. Hallelujah. There's a verse in Psalms that says something along the lines, though I walk, my steps will never slip. Want to know why? Because God catches you when you're about ready to fall. God catches you when you're about ready to slip up and says, no, no, no. I know you want to walk over this way, but you know what? That's not the way to go. You need to stay heading this way. I'm telling you, good things are in store for you. If you head this way, good things in store for those who wait. Hallelujah. So use our pastor. Use the word of God as your compass, and stay on that plain path. In Jesus' name, amen. Solid word right there. So good to see each of you here tonight. I mean that. I'd rather be here than anywhere I can think of. I mean that. 
I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God, dwell in the tents of the wicked. I have to say this before I get going on my text here. Brother Tosin quoted Second Corinthians 9. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. And that is a powerful verse. And then you, then you quoted from another translation, God can. And I know someone besides me caught that, that God is able and God can, because it must mean that God does not always. And the key, the key to accessing God's ability or his can-ness is how generous you are or how stingy you are or how involved you are. And I'm not taking away from what the brother said. I'm, I'm adding to it because you said it just straight enough, plain enough. God. Plain path, Brother David. Thank you. That's what I'm going to talk about tonight, at least, at least in general. Reading, you don't have to stand again. I know you've already been up. I'm going to take a lengthy text out of Numbers 22. And uh, you've ever wondered why the book of Numbers is called the book of Numbers? Read the book of Numbers. <laughs> oh, that was intelligent, wasn't it? And the Bible said the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side Jordan by Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. Moab said to the elders of Midian, Now shall this company, meaning the Jews, lick up all that are around about us as the ox licks up the grass of the field. Balak, Balak the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at this or at that time. He sent messengers, therefore, to Balaam, son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. I don't have any idea who's watching online tonight, but I do know that it's not an accident that you're watching, or you're listening, or you're here. We need to be reminded that the path God lays before us is always straight, and it's always plain. My uncle used to say this, who was my original pastor, Uncle Wayne, used to say, if you have to kick the door down, it's never the will of God. When God invites you to his perfect will, the door will open of its own accord. He said, there's a people come out of Egypt. They're so large, and, and I'm, I'm afraid of them. He says this to Balaam, the prophet, the man of God. Come, therefore, I pray you, curse me, this people. They are too mighty for me. We have enemies. 
You might be the local Boy Scout in the community, you know, help everyone type person. Church isn't over. I see everybody yawning out there. Like, oh, it's not over yet. And he goes through verse 6 and says, Curse these people. I need the energy to smite them, drive them out of the land. For I know, that's what that word what means, I know that he who you bless is blessed, and he who you curse is cursed. Balaam had a reputation. Love him or hate him, Balaam had a reputation that what he prayed was answered. They said, we know who you put your blessing upon is blessed, and who you remove your blessing from, they're cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand, money, bribes. And they came to Balaam and spoke unto him the words of Balak, and he said to them, stay right here. I'll bring you word again as the Lord will speak to me. And the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. And God said to Balaam, blows every Pentecostal prejudice right out of the water that God only speaks to us. I should put it this way, Brother Rob, maybe sometimes God does even speak to us. It doesn't say it. A false prophet doesn't say an angel of hell. It says, God spoke to Balaam. And he said, uh, tell me about these men that came to see you. Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, this is what he said. There's the people come out of Egypt, verse 11. They're huge. They're massive. They cover the land. And uh, he wants me to curse them. And God said, verse 12 to Balaam, don't. Go with them. Don't curse this people. They're blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning, said to the princes of Balak, get out of here. The Lord refuses to give me leave to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose up. They went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. And it is simply the title I want to talk about, You Win. You emphatically win. Brother Lance, at first glance, in my opinion, as I read through the book of Numbers and other story, other books in the Bible that mention Balaam, I, I can't seem to really figure out if he's a good person or a bad person. Now, it becomes more and more obvious the more you read into his story, but if he's all evil and darkness and wicked, why is God even dealing with him? Why is God even giving him a word and answering his prayer? To say Balaam is an enigma or a head-scratcher is an understatement. And the deeper you look into his story, you realize that some understanding begins to come to your mind or clarity or clarification. Paul said, let in Galatians 6, verse 4, let every man prove his own work. 
So you could tell me you're a good person. I could tell you I'm a minister of the gospel, but my works speak louder than my words do. You can tell me you're a preacher all you want to, but if you get up here and you're like nothing, then your actions speak louder than your words. You singers, you players, you worshipers, you praise singers, you ought to be involved in the few minutes of prayer before church. If, if you want to be more than a performer, then you need to pray before church, praise God. Anyway, the Bible said in 2 Peter 2.15 in the contemporary English version that Balaam loved the rewards of being crooked. He loved what he got from being a crook. Now, I'm talking about a man, Brother Rob, that prays and God answers him. We just read it. He went to God and said, God, they want me to do this. And God said, don't do it. I got to tell you, if that was me going to God asking that, God wouldn't even talk to me. Sometimes his answer's in the silence, right? He's either saying no or he's saying, don't talk to me about this right now. He loved the rewards of being crooked, underhanded. Always has a motive or another deal in his mind. What This boggles my brain. Because it seems like he frequently talks to God, and God frequently responds to him. I just want to talk to somebody tonight, praise God. Some of us, Brother Tim, we're looking for just one encounter with God. Just one time would you speak to me, God, about this. I've done all to stand, and now I'm standing, therefore. I need direction, God. I need to know a plain direction in my life. Am I talking to myself or is anybody? Sometimes I just want one voice from God. Just speak to me once, God. Some people, man, if you listen to them and if you believe everything they say, it sounds like they talk to God and hear from God, I should say, routinely. You have something I don't have. I talk to God a lot. I don't get frequent responses from God. I guess I'm all alone. Look at all these angelic faces out there. Balaam! I can't put my finger on his pulse. Is he a man of God? We don't even know if he was a Hebrew. We're not told. One thing for sure, Brother Harold, the Bible never calls Balaam a false prophet. Oh, hallelujah. I'm having lunch with my with my boss, if you would, tomorrow, and, and I'm here to tell you, I'm not so high and mighty or so humble. I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle to tell you that God doesn't listen just to this type of people or this name on the church sign. You are kidding yourself. You are kidding yourself if you think you can isolate God's responses to a certain segment of people.
God, God frequently spoke to this man. You might come from the corner to argue that maybe God speaks to people who are going astray to preserve them or salvage them. And I, I say, yeah, that could be true. I, I, I've heard many people say that when they were coldest in their life, coldest in their walk with God, it seemed like God was constantly interrupting things they were doing. Someone came by that wouldn't normally come by. A phone call that reminded them of something they'd forgotten about. A song, a scripture, a sermon. So maybe when people are getting farther away from God, maybe it's when God really gets vocal. It's possible. I can tell you this, sisters, tonight. I, I, I would go to my grave saying this is gospel truth. I, have, I, I know of people, people I love that have backslidden, gone away, left church, don't pray anymore, don't call anymore, don't show up anymore. But every once in a while, they'll text me, they'll call me, and I know that I know that I know they're just trying to feel, is that welcome gate still open for me? Is there any way at all if I ever, if I ever, if I ever make my way back, Pastor Herring, is there still? Well, the Bible said in Deuteronomy 23, verse 4 and 5, it tells the story of this Moabite intention to hire Balaam solely to curse the people of God. It re reiterates, or iterates is probably the technical term I should use. It's the book of remembrance. It's reminding us again over 80 quotations out of Deuteronomy in the New Testament. Jesus frequently quoted Deuteronomy. When he was tempted by Satan, three times he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Every quotation Jesus offered against the work of the enemy was out of the book of Deuteronomy. I can't get anything out of the Old Testament. It bothers me. Well, then how could you possibly enjoy the New Testament because so much of it... When they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment of all? You know what Jesus quoted? Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel! Six and four. The Lord our God is one Lord. I'm, I'm trying to emphasize something here for a point. 90% of Deuteronomy was written by Moses. Moses is mentioned in over half the books of the entire Bible. 803 times in the King James Version, at least, Moses' name is mentioned. The only people in all Histor biblical history that we have record of that's mentioned more than Moses in the Bible is David and the Lord Jesus. Brother Walter, that tells me this is a pretty important man in the landscape of God's will. And Balaam is asking God for permission to curse the people that Moses is leading. Oh. 
You got to understand, God, there's money on the line here. And when people offer silver and gold, Balaam, I, I become a different man. I, I can't even fathom, Brother Anthony. I can't wrap my mind around the audacity of a human being to go to God for money and say, can I curse these people? You got to get Hollywood out of your head, brother and sister. This is not, this is not, ooh, doo, doo, doo. not some curse or trance he's casting on people. He's praying that the blessing of God be abstracted from, abstracted from their life. God walk out of them. He's praying, God, will you allow me to ask you to walk out on these people? And when God walks out, brother, it's over. Turn out the lights. The party is over. Balaam is asking God for permission to curse this people of which Moses mentioned more than any man in the Bible except David and Jesus. Over 800 times his name mentioned way through the New Testament. Over half of the Bible mentions this man. Oh, by the way, I don't like the way he looks. Can I just ha ask you to scorch these people, God? Well, what are you thinking? You cannot curse what God has blessed. You could give it an attitude and throw a shoulder, cold shoulder into the whole pathway, but you cannot remove the blessing of God. What is blessed is blessed, period, unmovable. Well, the Bible said in Numbers 12, verse 3, that Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. I'm sorry, but God isn't even going to entertain your concern and raise his hand against the meekest man on the earth. Well, I have a different, strong difference of opinion with Moses. I think God would probably say to you, get over it. This prophet that I, Brother Bubba, I can't, get, I can't put my hands on his heart. Why does God answer the prayer of people that aren't doing right? I, I, I don't know. It's deeper than me. Causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust, right? I'm not God, Brother, brother Harold. I, I, I don't know why God would. If I were God, I wouldn't be answering the dude. God's not going to put his blessing on someone and then change his mind. Still, Balaam worked hard to try to get around the blessing of God. Starting to see something here now. Starting to see a little character flaw in this prophet of God. Everybody's human. We know that. That's not profound. Sometimes I regret ever letting people get close into my life. I'm not going to make any comparisons here to the text, but 
because some people can't handle humanity. If you, if you prove yourself to be anything less than angelic, they lose hope in you all of a sudden. Oh, you're normal? You don't pray 24-7? And they quit answering your phone calls or texts. That ain't about right. That's exactly right. Some people, some people don't know how to, to live with their feet planted firmly on the earth. Moses made mistakes, Brother Rob. I preached a sermon years ago, the mistakes of Moses. He made them. And so maybe that's Balaam's cause, but I see something uh, deeper than that un unfolding, unraveling. In Revelation 2, verse 14, when this effort becomes more than sinister now and dark, it becomes downright wicked. Jesus is talking in Revelation 2. Jesus himself. Jesus is talking in Revelation 2.14 and he mentions the fact that Balaam taught Balak. Balaam the preacher taught Balak the king of Moab wanting to curse Israel how to bring them to their knees. And I, this is not fantasy or Walt Disney. This is the Bible. And he told Balak, send the Moabite, Moabite prostitutes into the camp of the Jews. What you have to do is send the harlots among the men that are fighting for the cause. Oh, I want to preach somehow. I don't know if you can handle what I want to say tonight. I'm not sure you can handle what I want to say tonight. But whatever your flaw is, brother and sister, don't stick your nose so high in the air if ministry makes a mistake that you drown the first time it rains, all right? Everybody has a breaking point. Everybody has flaws in their life and character. And if you don't pray, preacher, if I don't pray, pastor, the devil will find whatever it is. And Balaam, a man that just heard God say, leave him alone. I mean, how, how many times does God have to tell you, leave him alone? He, somehow the money's got a hold of his mind now, more than the voice of God. Money speaks to him more than the voice of God. And, and he teaches them, send these Moabite harlots. He says, guarantee you. Won't take a strong man to get through this storm. Quiet, isn't it, ladies? So quiet. Want to take a real praying man to get through this storm? Huh. Two things guaranteed will happen. The obvious. They'll commit fornication, and they will sacrifice to Moabite idols. 
What does that mean figuratively? It means they're going to mess with the purity of your mind. They're going to mess with any innocence in your mind. We're, we don't have to defeat them in the, on the battlefield. Let's get inside their heads. Let's get inside their thinking. Let, let's get inside the, their moral clauses. Let's get inside their decision-making processes here. Send the Moabite harlots among the Jews. Come on. You would think this is too obvious. It will cause them to compromise the purity of their mind, and it will mess with their walk with God. The religious experience will be turned upside down because not only will they commit fornication with these harlots, they'll start offering sacrifices to their idols. It's over. It's over. And they don't have to even ask God anymore to curse them. The men bring the curse in themselves. Don't you ever be so blind as to say the devil is stupid. And Jesus references the fact that they fell. That they opened the door and cursed themselves, even though the blessing of God was irrevocable. You could not revoke the blessing of God. Way over in 1 Corinthians, Paul mentions chapter 10, verse 8. The results of Balaam's efforts, and 23,000 died because they said, yeah, bring those ladies in. And go ahead and bring your little statues and your little wooden gods. Be careful what you watch, what you listen to. Oh, it's just entertainment, Pastor. You're way too uptight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. I keep watching that junk, and it creates a hunger for more. What did David Bernard call it? A plug-in drug. And, and it doesn't make me want less. It always makes me want more. And the more I watch, the more my, my conscience is jaded and, 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 and broken. Well, anyway, Jews died in one day. All right, but here, here's, here's my five-minute summary, if you'll allow it. Way over in Numbers 31, back, way back in Numbers 31, God tells Moses, verse 1 and 2, I want you to avenge the death of these men. Even though they brought all of this stuff upon themselves, even though like blind parrots, they mocked the invitation to be carnal. We're strong enough, we can handle this. I pray, I pray, all, I, I'm, I'm always praying. I, I'm good, I'm good. You may think I'm being silly tonight, but I've 
known more than one person that that's an addiction started in the dentist chair or post-surgery. It's prescribed, and they can't function because of it now. Hello, somebody. Hello. And one creates a hunger for two, whether it's something you ingest or you look at or you listen to or you touch or you feel. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know David made you all feel happy tonight, and I'm making you feel the opposite, but I'm, we're a good balance, brother. But in Numbers 31, verse 1 and 2, God tells Moses, I, I want you to avenge this. I don't take it lightly. I told Balaam no. He worked around it somehow. Find the loophole. I, I just, Christian, find the loophole. Find the loophole. Find the loophole. Not you, but, you know, some people. It doesn't say I can't do this. Find the loophole. Find the gray area. But the Bible said abstain from the very appearance if it even looks wrong. Nobody in the back, you're just kind of staring at me. Love you all. Hallelujah. He said, you avenge them by engaging in war against Midian. And I love chapter 31, verse 8 of Numbers. Guess who happens to be in the middle of the fight and finds a sword and his life is taken? Guess who? Balaam. I'm in the middle of it all. I'm protected. I'm provided for. But God said, avenge my people. And it only took one sword to find its mark. And Balaam, the preacher, the, the wayward, backslidden, carnal, sold out, compromised, jaded preacher. There he lay, look at him. I don't think you're hearing from God anymore. The Bible said, Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. So I just want to end my point with this tonight. For the land, life, as you know, full of all kind of difficulties, all kind of decisions we have to make, battles we have to fight. Should I do this? Should I not do that? I want to be this, but something's telling me be that. Opinions. Everybody's got opinions. Voices coming from every angle of life. Don't do this. Do that. Be this. Don't be that. There's one voice that we have to train ourselves to be in touch with. You'd be the best mom in the world, but if God can't speak to you, you'd be the best choir member in, in TPC, but if God can't get through to you. If you want to win, if you want to win, you got to start praying things like this. God, let my ears get used 
the pattern, if there is such a thing, of hearing and recognizing you. Let me, let me, begin, let me become somewhat familiar in a positive way with the tone of your voice. Let me learn to dial things out that don't belong there, like preachers that are praying for me to curse this or curse that. Like voices on the radio or television or at work. And if you learn, if I learn, distinguish the voice of God, I'm going to win. You're going to win. You're going to win. Put my title up there, would you? My title up there, sis, please. Win, you win, win, you win. When it's all over, that's all that matters. When it's over, that's all that matters. I don't want to be in touch with God today and end up losing in the end. I don't want God to listen to me today, even respond to me today, and in the end, I lose. Thank you, merciful God, tonight for all you're doing and have done. Thank you, compassionate Father of my soul, shepherd of my soul, keeper of my life. Oh, God, I thank you for the plain path, Lord. Thank you for the plain path, the straight and narrow way. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to me, helping me to recognize when you speak to me. I want to know your voice over other voices. I want to know your voice over strange voices. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Who will praise the Lord with me tonight? Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God.